We've been in this series, Faith and Prayer, for a while, and the ministry always frightened me a little bit. You have to understand where I came from. I'm first-generation Christian. That's why Austin says I still have bark on me. And uh, so I always approached the ministry with fear and trepidation. And so I, I thought I would start off tonight telling a little story. After we moved from the hotel to the first building we built up at I-30 and Northfield Road, the pastor of what was then the largest full gospel church in the county uh, surprised the heck out of me, called the office, wanted to have lunch with me. Okay. And so I meet him for lunch. And, you know, different things were discussed. But one of the things he discussed was... Um, I don't know what you'd call it. It's not my world. But uh, I guess they were like women's girdles, spandex, something. And uh, a multi-level deal. And he said, man, with all those people you got, he said, this is the latest, newest, greatest thing. He said, he said man, you can make money. And that one lunch helped me understand a lot about what goes on because as you've heard me say my primary mentor in the gospel was Lester Summerall and uh, Lester Summerall he was just strictly business one of the most famous people in Christianity in the last several de decades had a demon possessed friend and uh, Summerall thought it was odd and sad and strange, but he put him on a private jet and flew him to South Bend, Indiana to get the devil cast out of him. And, uh, but Summerall was the guy you'd go to if you needed something like that accomplished. But Summerall thought it was sad, you know, fly a guy from L.A. to South Bend, Indiana. He said, you know, and in this series on faith and prayer, we've been talking about our rights in Christ. And Summerall told me, he said he doesn't even realize he has the as much authority to cast the devil out of somebody as I do. Amen. But uh, I've always approached the ministry, I guess, because I'm first-generation Christian, first-generation minister, of course, with fear and trepidation. My goal here tonight is not to be unkind or critical or judgmental. My goal here tonight is to keep you from leading an unproductive and an unfruitful life. That's from 2 Peter 1. I could go to 2 Peter 1. I thought about opening with 2 Peter 1. It's 2 Peter 1, 1 to 11, but I don't think I have the time for that tonight. I want to keep you from leading an unproductive and unfruitful life. So let's just do a little review, and then let's deal with this topic. Where does Pentecostal and full gospel weirdoism come from? Gee whiz. You just walked right into it, didn't you? Where does Pentecostal and full gospel weirdoism come from? So we've been in this uh, scripture the last two Wednesday nights, and what arrested me was the King James Version, because generally speaking, I'm not in the King James Version, except in favorite passages like Mark 11, 22 to 24, James 1, 22, but be doers of the word of God, and not hearers only deceiving your own self. So if you're not a doer of the word of God, what are you doing? You're deceiving your own self. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he is. I like that. Straightway forgetteth what manner of man he is. Now here at Faith Christian Center, when we're in James 1, typically we're dealing with verse 22. <clears throat> but be doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. But the past two Sundays we focused, the past two Wednesdays we focused on verses 23 and 24. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So tonight's topic is where does Pentecostal is, where does Pentecostal and full gospel weirdoism come from? And you have to understand this puts people off. One of the reasons I dress like I dress is because I, I want to appeal to um, businessmen. You know, I mean, I, I don't come in here dressed like a track star because I'm not try, trying to appeal to track stars. And I don't come in here dressed like a rapper because I'm not trying to appeal to rappers. And I don't come in here dressed like a drug dealer because, you know, that's just totally out of my world. All right, so what am I talking about? Let's just do it. Let's do it. Okay, so Daniel fasts, coordinated January fast, pushing people down in prayer lines, drinking anointing oil, and directly violating the Word of God by doing things like laying hands on everyone, every service. Now, here's a good rule of thumb that will serve you well. If you don't see the prophets in the Old Testament or Jesus or the apostles in the New Testament doing something, then you shouldn't do it either. Amen. Now, if there's any ministers watching online, and this may be your only opportunity because this message could very well be disappeared about 45 minutes from right now. If you don't see the prophets in the Old Testament or Jesus or the apostles in the New Testament doing something, then you shouldn't do it either. Now, here's the principle, and this is the scripture Finest Jennings Dake would mention in every message, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God, and that would mean the man or woman of God, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So the word of God is to be our guide. The Word of God is supreme, not friendships, not relationships. The Word of God is to be our guide. The Word of God is supreme. So if you don't see the prophets or Jesus or the apostles doing something in the Bible, then you shouldn't do it either. Now, let me just give you a quick example because, you know, you probably think, why is he into this? So a few years ago, we had some special meetings, and there were these two ladies coming, and then two questionable men. And uh, so with my own eyes, I stood there, and I watched her. She came down for the prayer line, and she, uh, when, when the prayer line was done, these were special services. I was not the speaker. She took her hankies and, and literally just threw them right on the floor right there. And... Uh, and then went back to her seat. 
And then one of the ushers came to me and he said, did you see that? I said, I sure did. He said, well, he said, let me tell you. He said, every service, he said, under her seat, it's like a junkyard. He said, you just can't believe all that. He said, we don't even know where she's bringing, how she's getting all this trash in the room. So anyway, then Sue Lingerfeld, the next morning, in the morning session, that lady was not there, but her friend was there. So, you know, it's Pastor Sue, so sweet, so nice, goes over there, starts talking to the lady, you know, about how this is a church and, you know, uh, maybe you really shouldn't treat a church like that. And then one of those two guys comes up and says to Pastor Sue, I don't agree with what you're doing. And he put his hand on her. Now, it just blows my mind that when two questionable crackers come to Faith Christian Center, they're not even like dialed in. This is an integrated church. And these ushers are chosen for various reasons. And some of them could break you in half. And he puts his hand on Sue Lingerfeld. See? So, just strange behavior. All right, my point is, we're in the middle of this series, maybe toward the end of this series on faith and prayer. In 2 Peter 1, Peter says, I write these things so that you will not live or lead an unfruitful and an unproductive life. I mean, I know I look good, but I've been preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ 49 years, and I have never one time seen any of these people pull ahead. Amen. Not one time. You know, she's somewhere tonight throwing her stuff on the floor. <laughs> so let's just walk through this, laying hands on everyone every service. Now, this is in direct contradiction to the Word of God, and also it is contrary to the teachings of people like Gordon Lindsay and Kenneth Hagin, who knew what they were talking about. The name Gordon Lindsay is probably foreign to you. Uh, Gordon Lindsay and his wife Frida pioneered Christ for the Nation's Bible School in Dallas. But way, way, way back, Gordon Lindsay did a magazine. Uh, and every faith healer of the great healing revival of the 40s and 50s was a member of that organization that published that magazine except Oral Roberts. He did his own magazine. Gordon Lindsay traveled with these men, these healers. Gordon Lindsay was with Billy Branham the night on the road. Was that in Switzerland or Germany somewhere? Billy Branham comes up to a car wreck and uh, a boy's laying by the side of the road dead. And Billy Branham walked over there and raised that boy from the dead. So Gordon Lindsay had been around these great healers. And then, of course, Kenneth Hagin said, you, shouldn't, you should not lay hands on everybody every service because even Amy Semple McPherson, see, I'm talking about knowing what you're doing. Even Amy Semple McPherson, back in the days of the Angelese Temple, they had prayer cards. And you had to attend so many services and get your prayer card marked by an usher or whatever. 
and you had to be in so many services, and then you could go through the prayer line. And the idea was, you're not doing anybody a service if you lay hands on them when they're not ready. Does that make sense? And I know this is the fact because Kenneth Hagin tells a story in one of his messages about a man who had been there and had to go through that process, I think it was either two or three times. See, if you, go, if you had your prayer card and you had been in so many services and then you went through the line and you were prayed for and you were not healed, well, then you had to start over. Got a new prayer card. And he had been through that two or three times and he did get healed. All right. 1 Timothy 5.22 says, Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. So there's a reason why we do what we do at Faith Christian Center. On occasion, we'll anoint with oil. On occasion, we'll lay hands on people. But there's a reason we do what we do at Faith Christian Center because we're trying to be doers of the Word of God. And what I've noticed is that the more common you make things, the less effect they seem to have. Okay, then Trump idolatry. This is ridiculous. So there's a, there's a Christian network, and uh, it's, it's like they're pre, a pretend news network. And they have purple-haired prophetesses uh, saying that he's still president. I mean... If he's still president, why do we have all, all this stuff going on? You know, like this uh, pedophile, uh, pro-pedophile Supreme Court justice. In other words, it's just utter nonsense. Uh, my heart goes out to people. You know, when, when Sue and I came back from Africa in 1983 and, and we, God had laid it on our heart to pioneer a church. We pioneered this church January 1, 1984. I didn't get out two or three months and I told Sue, I said, I need more information. So thank God, thank God, thank God, we chose to go to Kenneth Hagin's camp meeting in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Back then, there were great churches. Uh, I'm not going to name any names tonight. Okay, but one of those great churches is gone multitudinous affairs, heresy. Uh, another one of those churches is still there, but the guy who's pastor now Instagrams his photo. There, apparently there's a hair salon in Tulsa that's like a Hooters, and I've never been to a Hooters, but I have watched movies where Hooters is represented, and apparently the women in that place, that establishment, dress like that. So, you know, you know he's Instagramming, you know, here I am at whatever. Uh, so that's the level of mentality you have. Uh, there's another church there that used to be Word of Faith. Now they're aligned with uh, a pastor that's pro-same-sex marriage. Um, there's another church there, the, the, the biggest, latest, greatest, whatever. And, uh, you know, it's like weekly episodes of the Jackass show or whatever. Uh, you know, Vicky Gonzalez said, you know, we hold church. We don't do jackass episodes. <laughs> See, this is the world I live in. This is the world I live in. Back when my mom lived in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, I'm up there to see her once, and uh, Len Mink was out of town. So I went to dinner with uh, my mom, Kath Kathy Mink, and their daughter was unmarried at that time, Carrie, and we're in a steak and ale before they all closed. And 
the ex-wife of one of the most, well, the actually the, the most effective evangelist that has, has ever walked the planet. His ex-wife was there along with the ex-wife of one of the most famous, famous youth ministers back in the 90s. And these were, it just blew the heck out of my mind because these were good-looking women, you know, probably about 120 pounds each. And I'm just a young man at that point. I'm thinking, what's wrong with these guys? What's wrong with these guys? They shipwrecked themselves. So all of that's going on in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you got a guy like Ken Hagen, and he is just as solid as solid can be. But his numbers just go down, 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 down. And this fake news network thing that these Christians are doing um, recently filled the Maybe Center with doing a live broadcast from the Maybe Center. So, I mean, what would that feel like? That, that they can fill the Maybe Center with purple hair prophetesses saying Trump's still the president and you're holding church and you're actually teaching people the word of God and your numbers are going down. That same guy, that same guy, I'm going to get to another illustration here. Tell your neighbor, I can't believe he's doing this. That same guy that he was a protege of the most famous evangelist that's ever walked the earth. Austin was in a meeting with Aaron somewhere, and he was there with whatever, his 15th girlfriend or whatever. And they sit these people right in front of Austin and Aaron. Well, he's playing with her backside during church. I mean, you're standing right behind him. You know what? You can see what he's doing. And then they had her get up and do a multi-level presentation in church and during a church service. So we're talking about people who have no fear of God whatsoever. Okay, third example, hyper-grace heresy. Hyper-grace heresy. Every year, two guys spread this heresy at that convention center in Fort Worth at the invitation of someone we thought was a word guy. It doesn't take but a few scriptures to demonstrate that hyper-grace is heresy. They say it doesn't matter what you do. That's the, that's the essence of hypergrace. Jesus paid the price for everyone's sins, past, present, and future. It doesn't matter what you do. All right. Matthew 16, 27, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. 2 Corinthians 5, 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one of us may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Amen. Revelation 21.8, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Now just think how stupid it is to say that it doesn't matter what you do. If it didn't matter what you do, why would Jesus say in Luke 6.38, Give and it shall be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. See, that is an imperative. In, a, in the English language, that's what we call an imperative. That's a command. 
If it doesn't matter what we do, why would Jesus give us any imperative? If it doesn't matter what we do, why would Jesus give us any command? Just think how many lives have been ruined and destroyed by this teaching. Now, I want you to think critically. How many lives have been destroyed by this teaching? It doesn't matter whether or not you're faithful in marriage. Oh my gosh. How many fortunes have been lost? How many children's lives have been messed up? How many... Uh, I mean, just think of the damage. To say it doesn't matter what you do. Now, we believe the gospel. Amen. If we have committed any sin, we can go before him in the name of Jesus. We can confess our sin. See, we're not saying we, we don't ever sin. We're saying we acknowledge it. Amen. Not, not to a priest, not to me, to God. Yes. And we confess our sins. And, and we ask him for forgiveness, and he forgives us. Amen. Do you understand? Yes. But we don't go on down the road and do the same thing 15 more times. Amen. It doesn't matter whether or not you save money. I mean, just think about how utterly stupid it is to say it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter whether or not you keep your body under, under subjection and watch your weight and don't do drugs and don't consume alcohol. I mean, it's, it's just utterly stupid. All right, then we have weirdo prophetesses. Now, I've seen this a long time. We walked into Austin. I walked into a Kenneth Hagin meeting. I don't remember where it was. And these famous people came in. You know, they had their preferred seating up front in Austin. And I were like four or five rows back, which I don't care about. And uh, these folks come in with their entourage. And this weirdo prophetess turns and looks at me, glares at me, and she started doing this, you know, like she was shooting darts at me. And, and Austin said, what did you do to her? And I said, I've never met her. I've never spoken to her. I, I've had no encounter with her whatsoever. There's something about, and I've seen this, I've seen this, I've seen this with a great man uh, here and then a, a great man in another state. Actually, he kept two of them around. I don't keep pets. If somebody is not doing their job and useful to me, we don't keep them. And uh, see, I think that there's a, I think that there's a kind of a minister and they don't trust their own spirituality. So they feel like they got to have the witch of Endor on staff. You understand what I'm saying? But I trust, I'm not a very spiritual person, but when, when the Lord speaks to me, I know it because Jesus says, see, I'm going I'm to go by the word of God every time. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So that's what I confess and that's what I get. So when he speaks to me, I know it. And apparently I've been hearing because, you know, we, all we got to do is look around at the result. So weirdo prophetesses. Now I'm not anti-prophetess. There sits one right over there. A prophetess of God will be our speaker this coming Mother's Day. But Sue Lingerfeld doesn't look nuts, talk nuts, or act nuts. I mean, if you don't see it, 
in the Bible, then maybe you shouldn't do it. So, you know, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to correct myself on the purple hair thing. You know, I used to, uh, be, years ago I'd have my hair colored. Before that I had it highlighted. Before that, you know, I would just put some spray stuff in from the uh, drugstore you know, trying to look like I'd been to Miami or whatever. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the bathroom up at I-30 washing my hands between services, and this cute little black kid comes in, and he looks at me, and he looks at, the, he looks at me, then he looks at me in the mirror, then he looks at me, looks, he said, Pastor, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, you won't be offended? I said, no. He said, do you mean for your, color to, your hair to look like that? <laughs> And, and from that point on, I went to professionals. <laughs> so that's what I would say. Sometimes we need to bring in that cute little boy and say, do you intend for your hair to look like that? <laughs> All right, Revelation 2.18. Revelation 2.18 is not a passage we're normally in. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, everybody say nevertheless. Nevertheless, nevertheless I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Now, you understand the eating of food sacrificed to idols was a thing back then. We don't have that today. But there are other things that they lead people into. It's brutal. You know, this last guy had four years to do something about voter fraud, didn't do anything about voter fraud. Then when the election's held, complains about voter fraud. And uh, now we know in, in the rearview mirror raised $330 million talking about voter fraud. Got all those poor people to go up there to Washington, D.C., and a lot of them are still in prison tonight being held with no bail, no bond. But you can murder somebody in any northern city and get, get bail. And so those poor people, they're still up there in jail because they believed hucksterism. That's all it is. Now listen, that's why I, I think I can be a little misunderstood because people might take it wrong. But that's why our approach is if you want to give, give. You want to come, come. Don't want to give, you're still welcome to come. You don't want to come, okay. Don't want to give? Okay. See, because we're honest people. Amen. And from the very beginning, we have called every offering a free will offering. Amen. If you want to give it, give it. You don't want to give it, don't give it. If you want to come, come. You don't want, but I'm not going to huckster you right. into coming, and I'm not going to huckster you into giving. Okay, fifth example, drugs, alcohol, fornication, and adultery. Now, there's uh, just recently one of the biggest ministries in the world, the, guy, the head guy just fell, 
And if you go to his, we'll talk about that in a moment, but if you go to his son's Twitter feed, one of the most famous Christian songwriters in the world, all of his likes are full of tweets from pro-abortion politicians. And this guy is probably one of the most famous Christian songwriters in the world. So think about it. All over the world, people are singing music written by a pro-abortion person. See, we, we, the difference at Faith Christian Center is, you know, <laughs> we didn't just come out of Appalachia last week. We can read. Amen. And we pay attention. That same guy's son was the roommate in Bible school to the pastor of that organization's New York City church who was forced out after multiple affairs were exposed. And that same organization had an associate minister there in New York City who raped a church employee. And their solution was to send him to be their senior pastor in Dallas. I could not make this up. And when the head of that organization was found to have spent time in a female employee's hotel room, his excuse was, well, he wouldn't normally act like that, but he had been taking drugs and drinking. I mean, I, I couldn't make this up. See, people leave Faith Christian Center basically over two things, tithing and drinking. That's it. Yet the Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5.8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Listen, I'm 66, and I've just... I've just seen too many tragedies from drinking. Amen. Just too many tragedies. Amen. And I'm not going to get into it. I'm not the expert on it. Austin could talk about it at some point, but... Ancient fermentation was not as effective as modern fermentation. And so wine today is, has a much higher alcohol content than an ancient wine. And then also, if you, you know, because the answer is always, well, Jesus drank wine, yeah. But he didn't drink high fermented wine to excess and then go outside and get in an automobile and run over a toddler. I mean, think about the worst thing that could happen 2,000 years ago, you might fall off your ass. Amen. That's King James donkey. I mean, think about it. Amen. Now, now we, know, we, know, we know what happened, though. Drinking. You know, if you go back and you study the story of Lot and his daughters... I don't think anybody could ever tell a story that some positive thing that came out of drinking. Now, I know, I know, I know, don't, you know, don't, don't ask, don't tell. There are people here tonight, and you met your husband or wife in a bar. And maybe then you got saved, and now God's blessed it. Well, let's not repeat that. Amen. And I don't think that's what you want. I don't think that's the vision you want for your sons or your daughters or your grandsons or your granddaughters. See, Peter says, be sober, be vigilant. And uh, you understand they're inventing things. It wasn't that many years ago, first time I ever heard the word fentanyl. 
And so they're, they're inventing things. And uh, now we have the Internet. And we have little tiny kids. There's a reason why when a kid comes to St. Paul's, they have to leave. The, if they have a phone, they got to leave it in the locker. You know, uh, it's just too much. You know, when I was a kid in high school, there was no porn. You go to 7-Eleven or somewhere, and they, they had magazines, but they were behind uh, some piece of plastic or something you couldn't see, and you had to show an ID to buy it. Uh, but now it's everywhere. Amen. So when he says, be sober, be vigilant, I think we have to redefine that for the year we live in because when he wrote those words, basically all there was was wine. Does that make sense? But now we have all this other stuff. Other ways to not be sober. And I've never been addicted to anything but Sue Lingerfeld. So, but they tell me, the men in this church that were drug addicts tell me that it's an ongoing quest to reach a high like the first high. And because you can't get there, then you go to stronger and stronger stuff. And now that's part of the whole thing with mixing fentanyl in. Uh, but of course, the stronger stuff is, the more dangerous it is. See, 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. And so my, my desire for you is what my desire would be for my grandchildren, that they never be bound by porn, that they never be bound by drugs, that they never be bound by alcohol, uh, that they not meet their mate in a bar. Amen. Here's a huge one that you wouldn't expect. Taking offense at a father in the faith taking offense at a father in the faith. A great, great, great man, one of the greatest men I ever met in my life, took offense at another great man. These, <laughs> I remember, it was, I think it was the next to the last time Summerall spoke for us up at I-30. He was so grieved. He was so grieved because this one great man took offense at another great man. And this great man got on the phone with all of his friends to rehearse his offense at this other great man. And he shipwrecked his faith. He shipwrecked his ministry. He shipwrecked his family. That ministry is literally months away from having to liquidate their property. And they're now aligned with Maxine Waters. And that is as nuts and as far left and as anti-God as a person can possibly get all because they got offended at a great man. I learned, I learned over time that these are men. You know, if, if God used perfect people, he would never have used anybody since Jesus. These are men. I hope the people that work for me understand that. You know, I have to go back and ask their forgiveness on occasion. These are men. But just because they're men does not mean they're not great. Amen. 
Austin and I were with the greatest evangelist that's ever walked the earth. And uh, we're walking up the stairs of a hotel, and he was cussing because it was raining, and he was doing an outdoor meeting. And I looked at Austin, and Austin looked at me, and we never spoke of it again. Amen. He's a man. One of the greatest that's ever walked the planet. But he was angry because the rain was hurting his crowd. He's a man. And you have to understand this. You know, on Saturday morning, there might be 100 men here, 60. And uh, on occasion, I catch myself calling somebody by the wrong name because you know, after we get done praying, we, we all greet each other. You just have to forgive stuff. You just, you just can't get, like, you know, bummed out. Amen. You know? So I, I called a man by his last name here a few weeks ago. You know, it's just what came to my mind. You should just thank God I'm not like the guy I used to work for because he used to call Sue Jean, and he called me Sue. <laughs> so these are men. But listen, just because you find fault, find a fault, does not mean that they are not favored of the Lord. And yet, have you noticed tonight I'm not using any names? Yes. You have to be careful. 1 Peter 3.8 Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to you, because to you, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing for. And here it is. This is monstrous. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. How many of you want to live long? How many of you want to see good days? Well, you got to keep your mouth from evil. He must, learn, he must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And then let's flip over to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 verse 14, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy without holiness. No one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, a, a, a root of bitterness, the King James calls it, can grow into a mighty tree. And listen, you know, when I'm around my family, sometimes I refer to myself as the last dinosaur. It's not like it was. It's not like it was. There's so little anointing in the earth. It's not like it was. So, 
A few weeks ago on a Wednesday night, I mentioned that scripture where Paul says, all things are yours. Stop talking about Cephas. Stop talking about Apollos. Stop talking about Paul. All things are yours. You get what you can where you can get it. It's yours. It belongs to you. And you go to the book of Ephesians, and he gave gifts unto men. Who were the gifts? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors. Actually, in the Greek, it would be more like pastor slash teacher. There's no office of teacher. That's nonsense. And uh, so... God gave gifts to men. So, so I'm a gift. And I'm just here for a season. And then I'll be gone. So, but you got to get the get. I look around the room and I, I see quite a number of millionaires. And uh, they did the getting. I'm a gift. But that doesn't mean I'm perfect. But I want you to understand we're doers of the word. And at Faith Christian Center, the word is what is preeminent. Not, not connections, not people. Now, now, now. He's bringing a, 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 an example to my mind. I'm sitting back here uh, a few years ago before church. I think it was a Wednesday night why I was here so early. I don't know. I was reading the fasting chapter in Isaiah. And then Austin and Sue came in and I said, I was taught wrong. One of my fathers in the faith, one of these great men. But I told Sue and Austin, I was taught wrong. And so I, I did a memo and sent it to the office. And so uh, every Friday from that point until now, we send money out, serious money out every Friday to ministries that emphasize soul winning, which we always have, but now we send money out to ministries that emphasize the poor. So the word is what's preeminent. The word is what we go by. Somebody might have taught us something, but if we, if we read the Bible and we see, well, maybe, and it could be I misinterpreted what he said. It could, it could be that his communication was not that clear that night. It could be I misconstrued it. But it doesn't matter. See, and that's the power of the annual Bible reading. The annual Bible reading will keep us out of so much trouble. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up and cause trouble and defile many. See, when he got on the phone and told everybody about his fence, offense, he was defiling many. And he was causing division and strife among the brothers. Toward the end of his life, you go to John's Gospel, about chapter 17 or so, toward the end of his life before he's arrested, that's all Jesus could talk about. A new command I give you, love one another. See that no one is sexually immoral. Now, wait a minute. If it doesn't matter what we do, why would you need to see that no one's sexually immoral? See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So what should that great man have done when he got offended at the other great man? Nobody's going to ask me anything, but if he had asked me, I would have said, write out a personal check to that other great man you're offended at, 
and you got the money, you got the private plane, fly over there and give him an offering and hug his neck and tell him you love him. Listen, a hundred years from tonight, what are we going to have? The car you drove up in, you won't even remember what it was. The house you go home to, you'll have trouble remembering it. What are we going to have a hundred years from tonight? We're going to have the Lord and we're going to have each other. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And hopefully our children with us and hopefully our grandchildren with us. If we have grand, that's all. We, listen, that's why he said love one another because that's all we really have. Amen. The money's temporary. And they proved in the COVID crisis, man, like in Italy, man, they can shut you down. I mean, you have an account, you get a statement, and you go online, and you can do this and that and the other, and you see those zeros, but like that, they can turn it off like water. What do we really have? The body of Christ. You cannot go by how you feel. You cannot go by what you think. You cannot go by what your friends say. And you cannot put pets, your friends, ahead of the Word of God. I don't know if any ministers are watching, but you cannot go by how you feel. You cannot go by what you think. You cannot go by what your friends say, and you cannot put pets, your friends, ahead of the Word of God. Yeah, but that's my friend. I don't care. If they're wrong, they're wrong. Man, I sat over here a few years back, and a guest speaker was mocking and making fun of the pastor of the church he had just come from. And I had met the man. I met the man in 1983 at the, 1982 at the first idea exchange. The three princes of Florida put together, Roy Harlan, Quentin Edwards, Jack Strader. And uh, it was 110 or 120 of the, the biggest full gospel ministries in America. I was there because I was there with the guy I worked with. Well, this guy that, that this guest was bad-mouthing was there because he was there with his father. His father was a legend. And, and the guy struck me as odd. It was the 80s, but he dressed like a 70s used car salesman. I mean, he struck me as a little odd. But now his dad's gone. He's the senior pastor. And you have to understand, you, this guy was just there. He was just there. He was a guest. He was just there. They gave him an honorarium. He took money out of that church. Now he's here at Faith Christian Center mocking, laughing, joking about how ridiculous this pastor is. And then he says, toward the end of this conversation, he's, he's telling me how he's going back. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, next week he'll be somewhere else laughing about you and mocking you and talking about how he's coming back to Faith Christian Center. And I said to the Lord, the hell with that. Amen. This great man that got so offended, see? Then what happens is you get off course. Because these great men are connections. I can trace my connection through Summerall to Smith Wigglesworth. I can trace my connection to uh, what was the guy's name that was Billy Branham's day teacher? 
FF Bosworth. Uh, I can connect. I can trace my connection to FF Bosworth through T.L. Osborne. T.L. Osborne traveled with new FF Bosworth. The list goes on. In Hebrews, it also talks about how we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. See, I am who I am because of these connections. You break the connection, you break the tra the tradition, and it's not. It's not that there's anything necessarily positive about tradition, but there is when it's a connection to one of these great men. And you might think I'm bragging on men. There's very few. In any, in any day, in any generation, See, and, and Paul said, stop, stop bragging about Apollo, stop bragging about Cephas, stop, stop talking about Paul, all things are yours. You got to get it where you can get it. But the point is, as we get closer to the end, as we get closer to the rapture of the church, as we get closer to the consummation of the ages, there's less anointing in the earth. And, and the point of my message this evening is there's entirely too much hucksterism in the body of Christ. And the reason we have all this nonsense, I mean, how in the world can, can we judge what's going on in Washington when we have all this nonsense going on in the body of Christ? Because of course they're going to act more ill-behaved in Washington than in the churches across the world. That man that got offended at, at another, one great man who got offended at another great man, well... Talk about getting off course. He actually stood in, in church. The sons actually stood in church and said that tithing was a pagan practice that uh, Melchizedek brought from Mesopotamia. Abraham, that Abraham brought from Mesopotamia. And so when we, we heard about this and we get home and I asked Sue, you know, because now our nest is empty. And I said to Sue, I said, so let me ask you. I said, if I was gone... And Austin stood up and said that tithing was a pagan practice Abraham brought from Mesopotamia. What would you do? And she said, well, she said, I'd fire him and tell him we had to get somebody in here that knew what the hell they were talking about. Amen. So I was so happy to hear that my wife would go with the word. Amen. We go with the word. We don't keep pets. The word comes first, not friends, not people, not even family. The word comes first. And uh, lastly, refusing to follow the word on fellowship. A few years ago, a famous pastor in America had in a famous televangelist because he was trying to get an invite to the White House. And we, we, I heard it with my own ears. The sermon was called The Spirit of Ashtai, and she stood in a church, full gospel church, and she literally taught the people on how to get another woman's husband. I, I couldn't make this up. This is so crazy, I couldn't make it up. But here's the thing. You would think anybody connected with that would run for the hills. Am I right? Right. 
No, they haven't. I'm, con I'm convinced that a lot of these ministers, if Louis Farrakhan offered them a preaching gig this next weekend, they would go to collect the honorarium. And I want you to see that hucksterism is a cycle. It's a merry-go-round. It's, like, it's almost like being a salesman who lies to make sales. Like a salesman who doesn't take care of his customers. You have to keep, don't, you have to keep down that path. But if somebody tells their customers the truth and takes care of their customers, you can sell the same people stuff over and 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 over. And then you know what happens? They tell their friends. Yes. But when you go down the hucksterism road, you got to stay on the hucksterism road. Amen. This same pastor I'm talking about, he's constantly raising money for buildings he never builds. And you would think people would just say, man, that's it, no moss. 2 Timothy 3, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. What is this thing? You know, taking a picture of myself. Here I am at Starbucks, you know. Here I am on the golf course, you know. Who cares? <laughs> They're lovers of themselves. And like with this uh, Johnny Depp, Amber Heard trial going on, if you haven't figured out, the church has really gone down the wrong path going a whoring after celebrities. We have a friend from the 90s. He's a good guy. He, he seems to be word of faith, but he takes his children to every Katy Perry concert. You know, wants to get backstage so his kids can be around Katy Perry. I, I just don't understand this at all. That'd be like taking children, you know, down to Lancaster Avenue to, you know, introduce them to the ladies of the night. I mean, these people, these people, it's just, it's just a wrong way to go. And that's what, that's what Christians did with the last president. Look, he was better than the alternative, but that doesn't mean I need to genuflect and bow down and worship him and believe all of his nonsense. But mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving. How about unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. But that's not what we see in the body of Christ. Ken and Lynette Hagen were here last September. And Austin told him, he said, you know, my dad says that, uh, you know, if he, if he lived in Tulsa and uh, he wasn't in the ministry, he would attend your church just on this basis, that you ought to pick a church with this in mind. If I had a child that was sick, where would I take that child to be prayed for? And whatever the answer is, well, that's where you need to be in, on Sundays. And the great Ken Hagen teared up because, see, he's surrounded by all this cool stuff. People want cool. 
See, you would be safer. Those of you watching tonight, because this may be gone in about 20 minutes, you'd be safer to go to an old-fashioned Southern Baptist church. You'd be safer to go to an old-fashioned Assembly of God church than anything cool. Because there's no telling what kind of shortcuts and compromises they're going to make in the name of cool. And I like cool. I like it. I like getting in my pickup truck with 775 horses. I like it. I like cool. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna change the word. Amen. Amen. Do you understand? You know, I like having the building updated. That's cool. Amen. You know, Christie movie projector, uh, Christie uh, projectors. There's not. They made an exception for us. You won't find them anywhere, not in churches. Amen. Yeah, Christie, from the same company that does the movie theaters. Yeah, that's cool, but it doesn't have anything with compromising the Bible. Right. Do you understand? We got new chairs ordered. They're late. When you, get, when, they, when you come in here some Sunday, you're going to think, man, those are cool. But that doesn't have anything to do with compromising the Bible. Amen. Can you see? So we, we're not anti-cool, but we're not going to compromise the Bible to be cool. Amen. I'm going to quit. Tell your neighbor, he's getting around to it. So, so where does Pentecostal and full gospel weirdoism come from? Well, here it is. Pentecostal and full gospel weirdoism comes from people trying to be led by the Holy Spirit while not being doers of the written word of God. And there it is. They're trying to be led by the Spirit of God while not being doers of the written word of God. See, Satan got the Bible out of the high churches, the fancy churches, through intellectualism. And Satan got the Bible out of the low churches, the churches of the middle class and the poor classes, through emotionalism. And friends, that's what weirdoism is. It's emotionalism. That's all it is. It's emotionalism. Weirdoism is feeding the people of God candy when what they need is meat and potatoes. Weirdoism is feeding the people of God candy when what they need is meat and potatoes. You know, back up at I-30, it was either the last time he was with us or the next to the last time he was with us. Um, service is over. It's all done. Worship, word, church offering, his offering. It's all done. He laid hands on people, prayed for the sick. It's all over. It's done. I'm up there uh, to wrap up the service, and he says, we're not done. He calls Sue to the stage. I knew what was coming. And I said to myself, I said to myself, not to anybody else, I said to myself, I've never fallen down in my life, and I'm not going to fall down tonight. He laid hands on us, and I have no recollection of anything. <laughs> my head usher at the time said it sounded like a shotgun went off in the room, and I mean, we were out. That church that had the Vashti woman in, Austin took me to a service there, and he was chastising people for not falling down. Look, if you have to chastise people for not falling down, God didn't have anything to do with it. Amen. Amen. So, you know, he's walking around while he's doing his thing that night, you know, calling people out, and there's no God there, no anointing there. He's laying hands on them, and they don't fall down, so he pushes them down. And, you know, I, I spent the whole three hours, a crazy length of time, thinking, don't come over here, don't come over here, don't come over here. 
you know, I was trying to give him the Jedi mind trick, don't come over here. Because I thought you were going to get the surprise of your life. Amen. Amen. Because it was only a few weeks before that, the, the Lord told me, he said, anybody, he said, you do realize, right? Anybody who's seen the Lord Jesus Christ has the power of life and death. I said, don't come over here. To myself. But be ye doers of the word. Tell your neighbor, he's wrapping it up now. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Here's the sad thing. Any of these people that I've mentioned, if we get, some of them are gone now, but any of these people I've mentioned, if we could talk to them tonight, they would not have any idea of what they did. The Bible says in Proverbs that the, the woman that destroys her own, no, the, 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 the adulteress, she wipes her mouth and she says, I've done nothing wrong. See, they're self-deceived. They don't even know what they did. And that's where the hyper-grace heresy is very convenient because then you come along and tell people that have totally made a wreck and a disaster of their lives. It doesn't matter what you do. Well, this is very convenient. Amen. And then they can go on and, and do whatever because it doesn't matter what you do. It does matter what you do. Amen. Amen. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he is. So where does Pentecostal and full gospel weirdoism come from? Daniel fasts. You understand there's no such thing as a Daniel fast. It was a diet. He didn't fast. He regulated what he was eating because he didn't want to eat the food sacrificed to idols. Coordinated January fast. Uh, look, if the Lord tells you to fast, fast. But a coordinated fast? <sighs> Pushing people down in prayer lines, drinking anointing oil, directly violating the Word of God by doing things like laying hands on everyone, every service. Where does Pentecostal and full gospel weirdoism come from? It comes from people trying to be led by the Holy Spirit of God and not being a doer of the written Word of God. And that's it. And they're self-deceived. Now, I realize, I realize that if, if you're here tonight and you're a weirdo, this message didn't fix you. Amen. You know how I know that? Because I've been doing this 49 years. My point is not to try and cure weirdos. My point is to... quick example just came to me. Vicky Gonzalez's predecessor, great gal. We warned her, beware of people who showed no interest in you before, but now that you have this position, they want to be your friend. And there was a spiritual weirdo in the church up there at I-30, and you know, she didn't cause us any trouble, so we ignored her. And... Uh, she befriended Mickey Gonzalez's predecessor, and literally within two weeks, that gal was gone. Mm. They have a way of wrecking you, and I want you to see that. And I try and ignore stuff. You know, sometimes a spiritual weirdo will be a guest speaker somewhere in the Metroplex, and I hear about, you know, people going to hear them, you know, and I, I just do my best to ignore everything. I just do my best to show up here and do my thing. But you have to understand, spirits get communicated in certain venues. That's right. Amen. 
And here's what I've noticed in all my 39 years now of pastoring. How in the world, how in the world could the largest full gospel church in the county in those days disappear and not one person show up and visit us at our location at I-30? How in the world could 400 people leave Eagle Mountain Church to go to the latest, greatest thing over here on the highway and then when it went belly up, nobody, not one person ever visited here from that because these are people who don't want to hear the Word of God. They want to go somewhere that's weird. And now listen, some of you have been here when the Spirit of God fell, and I can dance. But I'm not going to dance, you know, when there's no spirit to it. I'm not going to do that. You know what that is? Showmanship. And if the Spirit of God moves, I'm ready. I'm good to go. But I'm not going to manufacture a fake move of the Spirit of God. And I'm not going to do, I'm not going to come down here and stir you up, you know, open up a can of whoopee and stir you up in some kind of emotional show. Because you can't go make a living with that. You can't go be a good husband with that. You can't go be a good wife with that. You can't take that and go be a good dad or a good mom. It's fruitless. It's pointless. And this is why. Here at Faith Christian Center, you know, we're, we're constantly saying that the power is in the doing. Say that out loud. The power is in the doing. The power is in the doing. Amen. I haven't quit yet. Give me two more seconds. <laughs> now, listen, I don't, I don't want you to think that I'm trying to be hard. I'm, I've, been, I've been in the ministry 49 years. I've been pastoring this church 39 years, four months, and uh, a week. I've never done a message like this. But I am greatly alarmed. I am greatly alarmed because it's so easy to look at how the political world in this country is completely off the rails. Amen. But how can we expect them to have any to do things? First Corinthians 14, how can we expect them to do things decently and in order when the church of the living God does not conduct its business decently and in order? Amen. And that's what Paul says. It should be done decently and in order. I just, I just want to win people to Jesus. I want to, I want to cast devils out of people when I come across them. I want to lay hands on the sick, see them healed. I, I want to be effective. But I, I have to be honest with you. It's harder every year because of all the showmanship. It's like, you know, Freaky Friday every Sunday across America in these churches. Where's John Wesley? Where's George Whitfield? Where's even the original younger Billy Graham? Thundering the word of God from the pulpits. Amen. And people calling out to God for mercy 
to be saved. That's what America needs. We, we don't need hucksterism. We don't need hucksterism. We don't need hucksterism in the pulpit. And we don't need hucksterism in the White House. We need somebody sober, vigilant in the pulpit. And we need somebody sober and vigilant in the White House. Amen. Certainly not somebody managed by the Easter Bunny. Amen. 